man, it's been a busy night tonight. And uh, my next guest in studio with me, John Sane. John, how's it? Welcome. Thanks, to, thanks for being here tonight and being on what's involved. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Um, I sort of came across you via, 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 and um, it, it was the launch of something called Singularity U. So I want to get into all of that. But tell me a little bit about John, because in my mind, you suddenly popped on the scene, popped onto my radar, and you're launching an awesome book. And I was like, but you're way more than that. So tell us a little bit about John. Well, thank you so much. Um, I am a human being fascinated with our perception, our motivating factors, what get us to act and behave in certain ways, as well as fascinated with the future. I'm an early adopter from a very young age. And uh, the connection between human consciousness, awareness, and futurism is my forte and has what's put me on the map. And it's only a recent career. I've only been doing it for about three years now. But in those three years, I've had two bestsellers. And uh, hopefully, this book also becomes a bestseller. I'm also the first African Singularity faculty member. Um, so, yeah, this is what I do. Okay, but, but you, you say this and it just rolls off of the tongue. I mean, um, Singularity U yes. is for those people who don't know, it's, it's a university in, in, in the States. It's in San Francisco. It was started by Peter Diamandis, a globally renowned futurist, and Ray Kurzweil, who is the head of AI for Google, yeah. uh, extremely smart human being um, and a living genius, to be honest. And the two of them decided that there were no universities teaching anybody about the future, but only about what happened in the past and trying to extrapolate the past into the future. So they have found faculty members from around the world that have got a specific specialities and then we get deployed into seminars workshops and conferences to go and help organizations and individuals and governments prepare better for the future what qualifies somebody to 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 be a futurist to look to the future do you you because you can't study for that surely yeah you can't study for it i think an economist um is a good place to start and uh early for me uh, an early adopting personality somebody that's just always been connected with what's next and i mm -hmm. think for now before it can be taught um, these are the things that make a futurist and also you have very many different layers of futurists and very many different sectors that people can focus on there's people that can really focus in on, on 10 or 15 years ahead there's people that can focus on two or three years ahead so there's many variations of it and Futurists have their own sort of um, frameworks that they use to help organizations become more courageous and have more clarity on the future. Because this is one of the things that, that struck me about the book. Yes. Um, number one, brilliantly put together. Wow, thank book. you. Thank you so um, much. Uh, not just from the, the, the aspect of reading the book, but, but in terms of the print and, and, and the quality and it's just it's different thank you well you know we're living in an age where reading a book on its own is not something that happens that much anymore because we've got audible we've got podcasts we've got interviews there's so many ways to access information yeah and so if i am going to write a book i wanted it to be as interactive and as an incredible experience as possible and so that's why i've done full color page um, prints i've written 20 essays which then make it much more palatable for people to want to read an essay at a time yeah. so i've written for, uh, 20 shots of foresight to prepare your vision for it to become 2020 vision for the year 2020 and beyond. And we're going to be talking more about this, but the reason that, that, that you're around and, and you, you're with um, Singularity U is, 
And I think we all know this. And I think Africa's going to, and you can help me here, being able to have uh, this, this, this early adopter and, and you, you, you get to meet all these people. Africa, I believe, is going to be a hub um, in the future in terms of what we do, how we do, and when this fourth industrial revolution. Are you a fourth industrial revolutioner? Because I keep hearing about it, but nobody can tell me when it's happening. Well, we're in the midst of it. I mean, your phone can tell you which direction to take and when. You have a phone that can translate Spanish into English. We are in the fourth industrial revolution. But we also have to give heed to the fact that the third industrial revolution has to take hold. And nobody really talks about the third industrial revolution. The third industrial revolution is the fact that Jeremy Rifkin, a global economist written in the New York Times bestseller called The Zero Marginal Cost Society, writes in detail of how the three pillars that have held up economies for the last 150 years are imploding and becoming free. Communication, transportation, and energy are on their way to become free, which will really set the tone for the fourth industrial revolution to be accessible by the whole world. Because this is the thing, and and I've spoken to a lot of people, particularly in South Africa, and they're like, oh, when it happens, the only thing we know about it is everybody's going to lose their jobs. Yes. Um, And yet... I see people, and you seem very optimistic uh, in some of the shots in this book um, for for the future. Are we all going to lose our jobs? Well, if you just look at what happened at the turn of the 19th century, 80% of the human population were farming. And today, 2% of the human population are farming. And we still have lots of jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, we don't have enough people for the jobs. So there's actually a shortage of people for jobs, for the new skills that are required right now. I'm doing work with an Indian blockchain right now. I just interviewed their whole board for a leadership workshop I'm holding with them their number one problem is not enough stuff so i i am very optimistic about the future but let's just make sure we all understand optimism is a choice you have to train your brain for look for opportunities rather than danger and the book is very much about that i want to talk about that uh, when we come back my special guest in studio author speaker faculty member of singularity you john sane the book is called foresight it is Brilliant. Highly recommended. I have thoroughly enjoyed it to date. What's involved this Monday night? My special guest in studio, um, author, speaker, educator, uh, John Sane. We're busy chatting about uh, his new book, uh, Foresight, Awakening Curiosity, Cultivate Wisdom, Discover the Abundant Future. Just that says to me that, that you are very, very positive about the future. Um, one thing that we discussed uh, off air, which I'd like to just bring up now is um, I'm, a, I'm a huge big fan of, of Dr. Joe Dispenza and um, on his, his latest book, Becoming Supernatural, the things that he talks about. You mentioned this in your writing as well, but you've gone a step further. You've actually attended some of his workshops. Absolutely. It's one of my intentions to share a stage with him and uh, using his methodology, I'm getting closer and closer to doing that. I'm a huge fan. He's a, he starts off his seven-day meditation retreats with, I'm not a mystic. I'm not a believer. I'm not a fate, man of faith. Yeah. I'm a scientist. I am a neuroscientist. And uh, for the last 30 years, I've been researching a whole bunch of things around science. And now I am a mystic, a man of faith and a believer because yeah. he has proved it to himself through science of the formula that's required to awaken innate software that's inside our brains that we just haven't accessed before. Now, you reckon if we pay attention to that and and this thing about the future being and creating our future, embracing our future, rather than living in fear starts with making your mind up? Well, it starts with wisdom. You know, wisdom in the book, as I explain, is healing your past. 
you know, most of us are in a repetition of what happened yesterday, trying to make yesterday more like, like making tomorrow more like it was yesterday. And that's based mm. on us living because of our past and because of our memories. What we have to do is uh, heal them and let go of them. Alan Watts has a great saying. He says, the knowledgeable man has to learn something new every day, but the wise man has to unlearn something new every day. And Dr. Joe Dispenza says, having memories with no triggers is wisdom. And so in order for us to become focused on the future, we have to let go of the past. And that means we have to heal our past. And uh, Tony Robbins calls it moving from unconscious memories to conscious memories where you blame your past rather than thanking your past. This is, this, and this is a trend a lot amongst a lot of people that have, that have walked this path and done that is, is this, this thanking your past. And, I mean, we've had it in a watered-down version before, you know, with Oprah and the attitude of gratitude, but it works. Of course it works because you're made up of a set of memories. And if your memories are hurtful and you're resenting your past, you are a resentful human being. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we sit in a puddle of victimhood and then we become righteous in our victimhood and then say, well, there's no opportunities out there how dare you say there are opportunities look at all the suffering around us and the truth is is your personality creates your personal reality and if you aren't able to take control and responsibility of that the future is daunting ugly and scary if you're able to make that decision and become wise and curious the future is nothing but abundant could we have such a thing as cultural Scarring, And I'm talking specifically in South Africa. I think globally every country has its own personality that fits into this. I think I imagine Canada doesn't have so much scarring. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would imagine Germany and America does. South Africa definitely does. We've just come out of apartheid 25 odd years ago. There's a lot of unforgiveness between people and there's a lot of sort of um, resentment between people. And that underlying resentment creates a set of victim mindsets. White people wish like it used to be. Black people wish that it was different. And both people um, need to heal the past. Now, that's Easier said than done, of course. I think that what happened in apartheid was absolutely atrocious and very easy to say, just forgive and move on. But ultimately, if you aren't able to do that, you suffer. Nobody else does. And so if you're a child that has been molested or if you had a tough upbringing, if you want to keep blaming your parents for what had happened, you the one who suffers. Nobody else does. And so my book is about how do we prepare our consciousness and our awareness for the future? And was very much motivated by a question I get a lot after my talks is how do we prepare our children for the future? What should they be doing? And my answer always is, it's not so much what they should be studying as how should they be behaving? And the truth is, is that we have been constantly educated into linear industrial revolution thinking Mm -hmm. and every sort of degree and MBA is based on understanding case studies, understanding processes and frameworks, and then applying them and extrapolate them into the future. We are in the midst of a societal shift moving from industrial times to quantum times. And the behavior that's required is adaptability and flexibility in the future, not linear repetition. But, you know, we are, we are so much victims of that. And I find myself at home. At home, we have, and I grew up in a time when, I mean, when I told my parents I wanted to be on radio and be a radio presenter, they were horrified. Mm-hmm. You have to go out and you have to be a banker. Yes. Or a lawyer or yes. a this. And I've railed against that my whole life. Yes. Now I find myself in a situation thinking I have become more enlightened uh, at home with a 21-year-old, almost mm-hmm. 21-year-old, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there going, bloody millennial there's no idea get some stability get it and i think whoa yeah i thought i dealt with that um 
is this something that a lot of us are having problems with? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, the best example is I had an ex-girlfriend of mine join me in Petra in Jordan. I was there for some work and she came and joined me and she lives in London and she told her mom, I'm going to go meet my friend John in Jordan. And, she's, and her mom said to her, my darling, you're 38 years old. When are you going to settle down? And uh, her name is Natalie. And she said, Natalie said to her mom, mom, but like, were you happy in your marriage? And she's like, no, I hate your dad. And she's like, well, there you go. It's like you're wanting me to get something into something that you actually didn't really enjoy. Yeah. And because our constructs and belief systems and behaviors have been drummed into us to live lives like that, and that's the second part of the book, is that curiosity has been drummed out of us. And so in order for us to be flexible and adaptable, we have to let go of our past and heal it and also make decisions through curiosity, not through logic. And this, I mean... As I've been going through the book, I haven't managed to get the whole way through That's it fine. yet because I keep, I keep meandering off. Right. Um, and, and, it, and it's because each and every, and you call them shots, shots each yeah. and every Essays, yeah. essay, shot, mm. chapter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not something I, I don't believe, and I mm. could be wrong, but this isn't a book you sit down and read at one sitting. Um, this is a book that makes you think. Well, I was hoping that I could make you think as much as possible to help shift your relationship with the future because your perspective of the future determines how you prepare for it and if you aren't able to prepare for it correctly you will be disrupted your job will be taken and that's an unfortunate place and can and is you can is there's a remedy and i'm trying to help you get the remedy for it because no matter how successful you used to be no matter how much degrees you used to have it's actually called the expert problem it's people stuck in insight if something doesn't fit into the same framework that they've been educated on they boo-boo it they become cynics of it and that's a very unfortunate place to be well, you know, there's things that, that, that scare people, things that people worry about, and we do, and, and specifically in South Africa. We spend so much time worrying. Mm. Um, had one of my mentors uh, uh, used, to, used to often tell me when I used to worry mm. about the future, mm. and, we, and he used to look at me and go, what is the worst that will happen if you do this? Yeah. No, but you, and he goes, will you die? And I'm mm. like, no, I, don't, don't be stupid. Of course mm. I won't die. Well, then why are you not doing it? Well, it's it? your reptilian brain. You've allowed your reptilian brain to become your, fact, your, your major decision making process which means you haven't trained your brain yeah. you're still an ancient brain and so people that are anxious people that are paranoid people that are looking constantly for danger are cavemen mm. stuck in a modern world and you can retrain your brain so that your decision making process is not from that part of your brain that's why my book is half psychology half futurism because this is this is the thing this reptile brain it's the fight or flight it's keeping you it's designed to keep you in status quo to keep you safe but also you living with that continuous sort of yeah. fight or flight response yeah. which then Makes releases all sorts of well, nasty yeah, chemicals. Because you're sick because you're not able to rest your body because you're not trusting of anybody in any situation around you and again this is your personal choice. Don't think for a second that this has happened to you because if you do you're a victim and this is a horrible thing to hear but it's the most important thing to hear because if you think you're not a victim and you are acting like a victim and nothing's going on in your life like you wanted to mm -hmm. you're wheel spinning yeah. and what you're doing is repeating yesterday over and over and over and complaining why to Tomorrow doesn't look more like yesterday and that's a shocking place to be i find this fascinating i find the book fascinating we are talking to john sane the uh, author of amongst other things because your others your your first book was what's your what's moonshot? your moonshot magnetize and then magnetize yeah. and now now foresight the latest one we'll be back we'll be chatting some more with john i want to find out because uh, this blockchain thing everybody's been laughing at me um about blockchain and the future of blockchain and what it is and Digital currency. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to see if he's got an opinion on Bitcoin as well. 
All of this and more when we come back on What's Involved. It is What's Involved. John Sane, my guest uh, in studio tonight. We're talking about the book uh, Foresight. Somebody said uh, you have absolutely interesting topics and guests on your show. I always feel inspired on a Monday night, and that's from Jackie. Jackie, Jackie. inspiration (laughs) is a good thing. Inspiration is a good thing. John, the book, um, you wrote it. It's 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 brilliant. There's twenty shots in. Um, my initial my initial re- sort of reaction when I looked at it was like, oh, okay, this has been done for those millennial people that can't focus in. But I think if you'd written it any differently, mm. um, it would have turned into a book that people went, "No, nah, it's too complicated, too difficult, not mm. interested." Yes, um, because you can read and digest one chapter, but it's got this horrible habit, at least for me of making me think about what I've just read. Because it's easy. If you're looking for distraction, don't buy the book. Right. That's my opinion. Right, well done. Thank you. Um, Thank you for because that. it does, it does. Where is it available? Is it available yet? Yes, it's available everywhere. Exclusive books and loot and uh, take a lot of the, the yeah. normal ones. Amazon, yeah. Kindle. I'm about to start recording the Audible version, which is my least favorite part of writing any book. It's the third time I'm doing it because uh, you have to reread something very slowly that you've been writing and massaging and rereading and editing for eight months. Yeah. But that process starts in two weeks' time and then I'll have the Audible version. But then it's a, a, as read by the author. Oh, of course, it ne- it's necessary. I think that's important. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, as yeah, opposed yeah. to getting it... Uh, well, you know, the thing is, some people ask me, it's like, well, what's, what's life like of an author? And I say, well, that's not the type of life I have. I have a multimedia brand and I must be accessible in every touch point of media from mm-hmm. life, from high touch, to high tech and so audible is just another version of that absolutely i love audible i gotta tell you what i do i love reading yes but when i'm traveling anywhere yes of course then in go the headphones boom and off i go yeah Yeah. absolutely wonderful Mm. uh jackie the name uh sorry not jackie jasmine Uh, jasmine the name of the book is foresight and uh the author john sane and uh it is it is a brilliant book can can we talk about the first one or maybe second shot i want to i want to i want to talk about because this one came first, but let's talk, yes. and I haven't read it. I'm going to be sure, honest. Course, I'm no open. Problem, no problem. Uh, moonshot. Yeah, what's your moonshot? Yeah. Why? Why a moonshot? Well, in, 19, uh, in the 1960s, I think it was 1962, 15th of May or 25th of May, when JFK gave that speech to America and the world that we will put a man on the moon and mm-hmm. had no technology to do so. Yeah. And he uh, awoke a sense of inspiration in the country. And eight years or nine years later, they had a man on the moon. Yeah. And so the idea behind that book is, is how big, how bold, and how courageous are your decisions about your future? And if they are not big, bold, and audacious, you don't understand technology, and you don't understand the ability we have now to access 4 billion people, which is about to become 7.5 billion people, has never been available to us. The reason you're not accessing technology is because you're a victim of your reality. And so the book spends 50% of its time breaking down the different types of victim I was, because in my book I describe how I became very wealthy in my early 20s and mid 20s and I lost everything in my late 20s and and early 30s and I went through a depression of five years or so and that depression was such a genius thing because the depression happens very slowly and as you start toiling into this depression of victimhood your friends become just the same as you so you just start hanging around with the same people with the same energetic sort of resonance as you and I had to really break out of it and it took me a few years to break out of that cycle and then you think like a victor you make decisions with opportunities in mind you understand what technology can do for you and you can build a global brand which is what i've done and so i have utilized my understanding of psychology and technology to build a brand that's now growing globally 
What I find so interesting in that, and I think Tony Robbins was the one who mentioned it, we do things essentially for two reasons. We're either moving away from pain or towards pleasure. Mm. Um, however, in my experience, I have found that sometimes we take pleasure from the pain. And yes. that, that the depression cycle is such an insidious thing. Yes. And it creeps in. Slowly. And yeah. you don't, I didn't realize, I, I always used to go, what are these people that are depressed? What is yeah. this depression thing you talk about? Yeah. You know, I can't understand it. You know, put your shoulders back, chin up, mm. just carry on. Keep mm. on soldiering on. Until one day I found, I woke up and I, mm. I was deep, deep yeah. within that. Yeah. I think it's embarrassing for a lot of people to speak about. I certainly was embarrassed about it because I was this um, audacious 20-something-year-old. I owned six restaurants and, and retail stores and now all of a sudden I couldn't afford to live in a house. So I had to stay in my friend's second bedroom and didn't have a car. So it was embarrassing. It was shameful. But it's very much part and parcel of the hero's journey all of us live on. And uh, my second book, Magnetize, I start off with a line that's very similar to what you just said about Tony Robbins is, are you running away from the darkness or are you running towards the light and uh, most people are running away from the darkness and the way you can determine whether you're running away from the darkness or the light is that one of them is fueled by anxiousness and the other one is fueled by excitement and if you're fueled by anxiety you are depressed because you are not seeing any light you're just trying to get away from that lion is going to eat you very very true words somebody uh, just uh Guys, thanks for the interesting interview. We'd love to read your book, uh, Jacques, all the way from Zululand. So we have people in Zululand listening as well tonight. Thank you, Jacques. Blockchain. Let's yes, let's talk chain. about this. Do you sure. notice how subtly changed away from this depression thing? Because that just hit home there. So this is called the subtle radio way of just changing the, the, the <laughs> it subject. It wasn't very subtle, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, well, I know it's never subtle when yes. I announce it. Um, blockchain. But, but blockchain, crypto blockchain. Yes. cryptocurrency, that yes. technology, mm. is it the wave of the future that people say? So let me just first start off by saying that if I had to describe the internet to anybody 25 years ago, you wouldn't have a clue because there was no, no frame of reference. There was no benchmark. You didn't know what to compare it to. It was so brand new that there's a TV interview on ABC where the presenters are trying to figure out what that at sign is. They didn't know if it was an about sign or an at sign. They didn't know. They'd never seen mm. it before. Yeah. And and so today blockchain is very similar to that. And I'll give you a couple examples of what blockchain is in very layman's terms. Have you ever had a Word document that you've been working on with you and a team and you send it between each other and you keep trying to make edits and then what you do is you save it as final and then final, final and then final, final version two and then final, final version three. By the end of it, you don't know which version is actually the latest, right? Mm -hmm. Today you have Google Docs. You can all work on one document at the same time in live and everything is stored in the cloud and it's open and public and transmutable and everybody can see it. That is what blockchain will create for us is transparency of all transactions from very little transactions to very mega transactions will all be on the blockchain. Let me give you one more example. I was in uh, San Francisco a year ago. We met the car of the future. And the car of the future has many technological advancements inside it, like exponential technologies inside it, like uh, networks and sensors, blockchain, artificial intelligence, uh, cryptocurrencies, et cetera, et cetera. The car came to pick me up. And because it has facial recognition, it recognizes me and says, hello, John. I say, hello, car. Uh, I get in and it says, where are you going? I say, airport. The cost is it's $22.50 with voice recognition, blockchain, mini contracts. I'm able to transfer the $22.50 into the car's account and we start moving towards the airport. On the way to the airport, I realize that we're running late for my flight. I tell the car, listen, I'm running late for my flight. Can you speed up? The car says, no problem. Give me $7.50. I think to myself, that's weird, but no problem. I give it $7.50. It then starts connecting with every other car on the road, giving it each $1 to get out the way so we can get to the airport quicker. That's blockchain. Whoa. 
machines speaking to each other, humans speaking to humans, humans speaking to machines, all of it is done in public, transmutable, and totally transparent. It will change the way we transact and it'll change the way we interact with the internet. Right now we have banks, we have real estate agents, we have lawyers, all these people are middlemen. They will be replaced by something that is so not common that people don't quite understand it. I think the best thing you could do is watch one or two talks on blockchain, get yourself into the language of it, and then try to see whether you can use it somewhere so that it can start making sense to you. Because the people that started off the internet many, many years ago are incredibly wealthy. The people that are getting into blockchain and cryptocurrency and the like will be very wealthy because it will become the future. Well, I mean, the naysayers last year when when, when, uh, Bitcoin tanked, they were all like, well, we told you. We well, told you this was going to happen. Well, my book has uh, the description of those people. They called people that live in hindsight. Yes, They're hindsight. Past. 2020. Yeah, well, you know, exactly. That's the most dangerous thing you could say is like, you know, um, oh, I saw my past. Oh, that makes sense now. And so people that are, don't understand the future and don't want to understand the future become pessimists, become cynics, and they become the people that shout down anybody who is acting in line of the future. And that's just an ego defense mechanism. Rather than being a pessimist or a cynic, the choice for you is to either look for opportunities or shut up. Because if you're not going to look for opportunities, don't stop the people who are. Yeah, because you're going to be part of the problem and you're part of the solution. And then what you are is a victim of your circumstance. But God forbid you call them victims because it'll give them another reason to get angry. Do you find that that with the kind of outlook that you have, when you talk about these kind of things, because it's kind of, it's very emotive. Do you, do people go, listen, John, really? Old white men don't yeah? like me. Don't they? It's not all of them. Uh, some of them love me, but I see their faces and my talks and my workshops where they are unbelievers and non-believers. And they just think, well, it's just another guy talking a little bit of rubbish here or there. Yeah, it's really one of those rah-rah rah kind of people. Yeah, and, and the, the truth is, is I actually don't care because they're going to be the ones disrupted. And, and it's just a defense mechanism. They're so deep in the victim thinking. They're so stuck on what their success used to be that they can't foresee a different future because what it means is they have to reinvent themselves. And old men are the worst at reinventing themselves and so what we need to become is malleable and we need to become flexible and adaptable and adopt and adopt the optimistic viewpoint if you don't you will suffer i mean that's the most ridiculous notion of this is that you can either sit and complain or you can look for opportunities and but yeah we, we we're sitting you and i were sitting talking here with essentially old technology because um radio has been around for a while um, we now are moving towards a new kind of radio in the form of podcasts where people now get to choose, which is for somebody in my position as a, as a radio presenter, would normally have been something very scary. But what, what the future is, is doing, am I correct in saying this, is it's giving us or making us more awake to choice? Absolutely. I mean, we crave um, efficiency convenience and everything if you look around you every business that does really well has a major aspect of frictionless interaction you know amazon is one of the best performing stocks in america do you know which brand has done better than it domino's pizza it's the only brand that has done better consistently than than amazon and this shows to goes to prove that amazon i mean it goes to prove that domino's pizza has an extremely average pizza at all 
I mean, you can really just taste it. It's average. Yeah. But they're the number one growing pizza brand. Why? Because they're the smartest in convenience. They were the first brand that delivered with drones, robots. Now they have autonomous vehicles um, delivering their pizzas. And they have an app called the 10-second app. It has does three things. It knows your GPS coordinates. It knows your credit card details. And it knows the best pizza or the most pizza, the, the pizza you've um, ordered the most from them. You open up the app. You have 10 seconds to press no. If you don't press no, it charges the pizza and delivers it to you hyper convenient hyper efficient and so sometimes we make decisions based on efficiency over quality so where do we start john we, we sort of we're getting time to wrap up but where do we start the book is is great your philosophy and and the book is as i said to you this this is not something that's going to it's not a quick read okay it's just it's going to kick you in the pants repeatedly <laughs> But, but doesn't sound very very fun. But yes, but I yeah. think it's necessary. Yes, it is necessary. I think I think somebody to wake up and say, "Hey, have a look." And and what I appreciate about the book is it's unapologetic. Yes. If if you read the book, I read the book. I interviewed you tonight, and I turn around here and I go, "Well, you know what, John sucks." You don't care. I, I can't I can't care. And and Mark Twain said it best. He says the two most important days of your life are when you're born and when you find out why. Yeah. When you find out why, you have no energy for people who don't agree with you. And that's okay. It's not you're not supposed to agree with me. And not everybody is going to agree with me. But I have a mission and my mission is to try and awaken as many people as possible to the potential of an abundant future rather than be fearful of it. And if you want to take the ride with me, please jump on board. And if you don't, good luck on your ride. It's no problem with me. Which I like. So where do let's assume we want to do the ride. Hmm. Um, where where would one start? Brilliant. Good question. And I think people are expecting a silver bullet, and the silver bullet actually is a process of accretion. Accretion is a word from the solar system where you have space dust floating around, and uh, from the collision of the space dust, uh, bit by bit, bit by bit, bit by bit, after a million years, a star is born. And if you want to be changing your behaviors, habits, and rituals, start slowly. Every day, expose yourself to a podcast that's about the future. Listen to a YouTube. Get your family together on a Thursday night. Make it future night. Get your staff together on a Friday morning. Spend an half an hour talking about the future. And slowly but surely, what starts to happen is your language changes. And everything that I'm saying to you here, or if you ever watch me talk, I always tell the audience, everything you saw on this talk was from Google. You have the opportunity of access to information at such a rich and abundant level that if you don't expose yourself, you are the one that's suffering. So just start slowly, start with 10 minutes a day, just like gym, let's say you wanna get fit, what do yeah. you do? You train every day. And so for me, it's like, it's my deepest fascination to be exposing myself to this information. So I'm doing it nonstop, all day, every day. I'm, I'm mixed between psychology and philosophy to futurism. And I'm constantly in like, interacting with that information. And so what happens is that it becomes a natural ability for me to see opportunities because I've exposed myself to the information. So start slowly, but start. Start now. Yeah. Well, uh, what was it? Uh, the, the, I think it was a Chinese or Japanese proverb. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. That's right. uh, the next day's best time is, is right now. Yes, um, absolutely. Where does meditation fall into this, do you think? Well, meditation is our ability to hear ourselves at a much better level. Prayer is about asking. Meditation is about listening. And what we have is an innate wisdom above all of us. The Romans called it a pocket of genius above all of us. We all have a pocket of genius above all of us. We all have a very clear, unique signature. And if we're able to access this pocket of genius, we access an incredible level of energy, creativity, and innovative 
just nuance. And for me, meditation is a big part of just quietening the brain and retraining it out of that constant need for anxiousness to a place of calm and serenity. And in that place, you're able to be creative and have access to information that you never had before. That's why the book, I've actually written the book because of that as well, is that we all have access to a type of information. So you can access yours. It will be very different to everybody else. And that's why for me, competition is based on something that is lacking, not in abundance. And so for me, I don't believe in competition. I believe in collaboration. Because if you tap into your unique flavor, who are you competing against? Nobody. Nobody's competing against you. But it's if you're doing something that everybody else is doing, or if you commoditized in your training, like university and school did to us, yes, then you're all about competition and wanting to beat everybody else. Wow. Okay. I, the reason I dwell on the meditation thing is um, when I first came across it, I've got a bit of a martial arts background and there's a whole lot in there. But I could, I just, I could not yes. sit still. Most people say that. They all say, well, other people can meditate. My brain's too busy. And Guess what? We're all the same. And, and I only realized at a later stage mm. after sticking at it that it's mm. what they call the monkey mind. Of because course. I used to describe it to people as my brain lurches around like a drunken monkey. Right. Um, and, you know, it reminds me of the movie App, you know, oh, let's, yes. you know, yes. this, that, that. Yes. It does get better, though. Of course, it, like anything. Like, let's say you're training for a marathon. Are you going to, you're going to run out, get out there and run 42Ks first day? Of course you're not. You're going to start at 2Ks and then you're going to stretch and then you're going to start at 3Ks and then you're going to stretch. And then, and so the process, people have to be patient, you know. I think the most important people thing, thing people can do is to write a to-be list. And get away from your to-do list. Your to-do list is very short-term. A to-be list is who do you want to be? And if you want to live an exponential life, start with the end in mind. Start with who you want to be and work backwards. And for me, is I want to be fitter, stronger, f- healthier, emotionally, physically, and spiritually than I've ever been. So I've got to work backwards from that to-be list. And I'm able to then design my life based on who I want to be rather than being stuck in my to-do list day by day. Wise, wise words. Uh, John, thank you. Thank you so much. This was one of those unexpected interviews for me because I had a preconception. Yes. And it's, it's been blown up. The book is called Foresight uh, by John Sane, uh, S-A-N-E-I, John Sane. Um, there's another two books. I'm, I'm rushing out and I'm going to grab hold of those as well now because so I want to read those. Thank you so much, John. We wish you all the best. Is anybody going to get a chance? How do we interact with you? Or social no, listen, media? I, yes, I'm, I, I'm Yogi Bhajan said it best. This is it. If you want to learn something, read about it. If you want to understand something, write about it. If you want to master something, teach it. I'm constantly sharing videos across all my social media channels, trying to share some of the insights I've got in order to develop foresight for all of us. And I'm doing a book launch on Thursday night at the Hyde Park uh, events on 7th. There's about 600 people registered already, but please get onto Quicket if you want to come through. It's free. Um, and I'll do a 60-minute keynote. Fantastic. So on Quicket, what do we look for? John, John Sane. Sane Foresight, yeah. Okay. Um, on social media? Yeah, John Sane everywhere. You know, there's only one John Sane in the world, which is the most incredible, remarkable thing. There's no other John Sane. So really? if you put John Sane into Google, that's only me. Well, there you go. Number one on the Google rankings. Thank yeah. you so much, John. Uh, we wish you all the best and uh, good luck with the launch. Go out, get the book. I'll catch you again next Monday night between six and eight. Before I go, one more thing. Thank you for listening.